Hello there, and welcome to this new episode of Leadership Conversations with Kemi Ogunkoya. On this show, we take you on a journey with inspiring, transformational, and authentic leaders with stories that inspire, principles that catalyze, and insights that will transform your life and business forever. Are you ready to dive in? Join the conversation and let the show begin. My guest on the show today is Hank Kaj, and we will be examining leadership and competence, understanding how to bridge the leadership gap. Now, Pankaj Sivastava is a respected C-Street executive and thought leader with experience leading large global corporations as well as versioning startups as the CEO of Mentor Cloud, an enterprise mentoring software platform, is leading the vision to positively impact a hundred million lives through the power of mentoring. His career includes roles as vice president of global marketing for McCafe, where he pioneered and built the cybersecurity markets, popular revenue driver, security as a subscription service, group COO of Zeo Alliance, where he managed a portfolio of startups across security, IoT, mobile gaming and tech support, and developed product marketing and sales strategies for each business. He was also the COO of Big League, where he identified the need for a privacy-only category and led all brand creation and research acquired by Aura and CMO of White Sky, where he led a turnaround that took the company from a lost position to cash flow positive in under four years. Pankaj continues to be tapped for his leadership and business acumen by startup, scale-ups, and major corporations worldwide. He believes their new lead Curiosity is the key to learning, developing new ideas, growing teams, and businesses. A more refreshing approach than knowing it all. <laughs> he holds an MBA in marketing and finance from Iowa State University and a Bachelor of Engineering degree from the Tapa Institute of Engineering and Technology in India. Incredible CV here, incredible profile. Okay, so definitely we're going to get right into this session today, and I absolutely look forward to a great time. So let's bring Pankaj right here. Hi, Kemi. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show, and uh, I love what you're doing. I love the conversations you're starting and the and the engaging, you know, curious uh, narratives that you know some of your other guests have actually uh, uh, talked about has been very inspiring for me personally. And thank you for bringing me on. Thank you so much for coming, and I absolutely look forward to a great conversation. You've got such an incredible profile, a great experience, and I'm sure that there's so much that you know we will learn, and we would also be able to share with great leaders who uh, will be learning from the great insights uh, through this episode. So let's get right into it. Now, Pankaj, when we talk about competence for leaders, right, you have led and you are leading great organizations worldwide. Um, 
what would you say is most important when it comes to leadership competence from your experience? So before I talk about that, Kimmy, I want to address, you know, two things that are my pet peeves when it comes to leadership. Okay. Number one, we overcomplicate leadership sometimes, right? And uh, we, we confuse ourselves as to what leadership is, right? And the second pet peeve I have is we make leaders into superheroes, right? And we give them godlike powers and we expect godlike work from them, right? So having said, I don't believe leaders are superhumans and I don't believe leadership should be too confusing. So having said that, there are four things I worry about uh, to kind of simplify the idea of leadership, right? So number one to me is always has been about communication, right? Your ability to communicate. That's number one from a competency standpoint. The number two for me is developing others. It is not about you when it comes to leadership. It's about the others. So developing others is a core competency for you to become a good leader. The third is self-awareness. And that, that is often missed, right? Because you know we are all kind of busy and we think about ourselves most of the time and our ego comes in the way sometimes. But self-awareness is super critical. And we can spend a little bit of time talking about that because I think that's the linchpin for a lot of other things as well. And lastly, I think uh, we have heard uh, quite often, you know, that as a leader, you have to be consistent, right? I completely disagree. You don't have to be consistent. The whole idea of leadership is growth, right? If you're consistent in your values and flexible in your approach, that's when you really embrace learning, right? So the four things that I worry about as a leadership competency model is number one, your ability to communicate effectively. Number two, it's about others. So help develop others. Number three, be self-aware. And, and the techniques I've used in my career to become more self-aware, uh, to develop that as a competency. And number four is about being inconsistent. <laughs> be consistent on values, be flexible on your approach to anything. Wow. So I absolutely love all that you have said. You know, so when, when you spoke about the pace of consistency and, you know, demystified the aspect of consistency and then wrap it up with consistency. And I, I think that that's really interesting. And it's about understanding, um, you know, what leadership is and what leadership is not. So I really love uh, the areas you have spoken about, from self-awareness to communication. And, you know, I, I spoke earlier about the leadership model that I, I developed, which, you know, pretty much cuts across this from communication, you know, talks about consistency, and I absolutely love the fact that you talk about what we need to be consistent on, right? So which means that leaders also have to be flexible in their approach, uh, but then they need to stay committed to their values, right? Rather than um, being automated. Okay, so now let's look at, you know, leadership, competence, and self-awareness, because I absolutely agree that self-awareness is a very key element um, of leadership. Now, uh, when you have conversation with the average leader, there's the assumption of the knowledge of self, which means that 
uh, people assume that they know themselves. And, and then in fact, research has shown that, you know, just about 15% of people really know themselves. How are leaders able to develop that level of uh, objectivity about analyzing and appraising self in such a way that they can use whatever information that they garner to really improve uh, themselves? Because for you to be able to build or develop competence, there has to be a great level of self-awareness. So how do we get to that point as leaders where we can actually be objective enough with self um, and not sabotage our, our, ourselves on the part of, of growth and leadership? Yeah, no, excellent question. And I think that's the challenge of growing as a leader, right? And nobody you know, comes with self-awareness to start out with. And over time, you acquire that awareness about, you know, who you are. Now, I've always felt, and I made this mistake myself early in my career, I considered self-awareness to be an understanding of, you know, what am I good at skills-wise and what am I not good at skills-wise. I think that's very limiting when you think about self-awareness. You have to expand that idea beyond just, you know, skills gap, uh, from a from a competency standpoint, but into what inspires you, what motivates you, what gets you moving, right? When you start understanding at that level, what is that true why that makes you get up highly spirited, looking forward to the rest of the day in the morning, that's when you have self-awareness, right? So to me, it is way beyond just an understanding of, you know, what you're good at doing or, or what new skills you need to acquire. I think that's part of the journey. But at a very deep level, I think it's an understanding of, you know, what is uh, inspiration to you. And once you achieve that level of understanding, uh, the next step from a competency development for me has always been about connecting that purpose that you have with the purpose others hold dear. And sometimes that, that could be different, right? But just an understanding of that is an important aspect of moving forward to building that as a core competency. So I'll give you just one quick example, okay? So I'm still on my discovery path. I still don't know, uh, full, I'm not fully aware of myself. I have to remind myself, right? So I built a technique around it, right? So I, I call it the one answer, two question technique, okay? I use it with my team and then I've trained them to use it with me, right? So if a team member comes to you with a bright idea or you know anything, anything to discuss and they ask you for your opinion, what's our natural inclination? Answer, give them our opinion because they asked for it. I purposefully avoid answering. And I say, I don't know. That's my first reaction, right? So two things happen, right? Two things happen when you say, I don't know to anybody. Number one, you make it okay not to know. So the team says, it's okay. My leader doesn't understand this either. It's okay for me not to know. It lowers the stress level. It increases the propensity to learn, right? And the second thing it does is, oh, that means I got to go find the answer. So it leads to action. And those two together is very powerful, right? And the, the reason it's connected to self-awareness is 
when you build self-awareness in others, that it's okay not to know and take action to figure it out, you're building that competency organization-wide, not just with yourself, right? So that's the one answer. The two question technique that follows the one answer that I use, uh, I often ask if somebody has a great idea or did a great job, built a new campaign or whatever it might have been or, or a new product, I ask them what comes next. And I ask that question myself as well, to myself. Because when, when you ask the question, what comes next, it gives purpose to what you do today, right? If I just do things every day, but don't build anything significant, why am I doing these things every day? There is no purpose to it, right? So the moment I ask what's next, people think about, hey, I did this. What will it allow me to do tomorrow to build something? And the second, the second question I ask is, what do you think? <laughs> right? So th that's those are the three things I use all the time for on myself for discovering my my own you know, capability, so to speak, and my purpose, and for the team members. I don't know is the answer, what comes next, and what do you think? Incredible, 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 incredible. I uh, absolutely, you know, <laughs> I'm in line with the things that you have said, and this lays credence to what you also, you know, I read your profile, and then you're really particular about that um, leader know-it-all syndrome, you know, and, and that, that absolutely reflects in a whole lot of the things that you have said. And from what you have also said, uh, you know, I've been able to draw out the fact that building and developing competence shouldn't end with the leader because you're quite intentional about developing your own competence, your personal leadership competence, and also developing that of your team, which is why you're empowering them through you know, active questioning and letting them know that it's okay not to know and, you know, helping them feel like they belong um, within your circle, really. And th that is really key uh, because when we talk about developing leadership competence, uh, there's one part of it which is about developing leadership competence, but then we cannot really talk about developing leadership competence when all the focus of growth uh, and all the attention remains on the leader. So how have you been able to, you know, do this? What were some of the key highlights uh, that made you step out of just developing yourself to also becoming this leader who is particular about developing uh, the competence of his team? You know, excellent question. And I have a great story around it, right? So this was uh, about 20 years ago. And uh, I was recruited by this company to build a brand new business, right? I, I completely changed the business, actually. And I sat in with three people, with the CEO of the company, and he described his grand vision. I fell in love with the vision. And when we kind of dispersed, I left the room. I went to my desk. And that's when it hit me. I said, what that vision is, I can't do because I'm not smart enough. That was the scariest moment in my career when I realized that when I looked at my team, I was the smartest person around. 
So being the smartest person around and looking at this grand vision was the scariest moment because I knew with my level of smartness, there was no way we were getting there. And that was the starting point of how I started thinking about success. To me, success became less about what Pankaj can do and achieve, but more about what Pankaj's team can do together, right? And I've repeated this lesson over and over and over. So at that company, for example, we turned around a business which was less than $100 million in revenue and made it a $1 billion revenue business in six years. And the only reason we were able to do that is we were able to build a team that was diverse in thought, diverse in opinion, and multidimensional and more smart than Pankaj, right? So I think the empowerment piece only comes when you have this self-awareness around what is it that will allow success. So you have to define success in a, def in a, in a very definite way, which takes you out of the equation and says to succeed what needs to get done. And when you think like that, you think about all the pieces that you need to make success happen, right? And that's when you become focused on developing others, giving them the tool set and giving them the ability to make their own decisions and stepping away from being the leader, right? So as I said before, you know, I, I, I don't believe leaders are superhumans, right? We often give them the, oh, as a leader, you have to make decisions. As a leader, you have to solve problems. As a leader, you have to make change happen. None of that is true in my, in my own career. As a leader, all I had to do was empower a team smarter than myself. That's it. That's it. I didn't solve any great problems. I didn't make any great decisions. I didn't make any changes. My team did. And the moment you change your frame of reference to how you define success, great things happen. And it's not about you. It's about others. You automatically focus on others. Simple. So I don't know if I answered your question, but I gave you my journey. Yes, you end up that by saying simple, right? And it does really sound simple. <laughs> <laughs> simple is simple because, um, yes, it seems like we know these are the things we should do. We should empower our team. Uh, but that is a lot of leaders struggle to do this. So how come this seems like a very simple concept and also a very, you know, really difficult one at the same time? Yeah, excellent question, right? I think, uh, so I, I wouldn't say I was like this or I thought like this 15, 20 years ago, right? Uh, it's an acquired taste <laughs> for you to not think about yourself, right? It's very hard for you to do, right? Uh, so I'm not suggesting that getting there is easy. What I'm suggesting is when you are there, success becomes easier to get. So if you are focused on the end game, which is you know what success means to you, the change is easier to do. But if you don't understand that, nothing will move, right? So just a quick example, right? Uh, uh, I, I wrote about this a few years ago and the title of this article was Smart is Overrated, right? There was a very exciting startup uh, in Silicon Valley that I was recruited to be part of 
and there were 200 of us. Each one of us came with exceptional backgrounds and experiences to build this great company. It took us under two years to completely bankrupt the team. The company went bankrupt. It was a collection of 200 smartest people I've ever worked with, even now. And we went bankrupt in two years. What was the lesson? It's not how smart you are. It's finding and defining that common purpose that makes a team. So no individual that includes leaders can achieve success on their own. So the moment you understand that as a leader, you leave your ego behind and think about success as a team game, not a self-driven or, you know, just because you are hard, you know, uh, working and you are the most smart person, you'll make things happen. doesn't happen. It will happen for a short time, but sustained success completely eludes you if you don't have that mindset, right? So I think it's hard. You're absolutely right. But it becomes easier if you change your frame of reference to how you define success. Changing redefining uh, and I strongly believe all of that begins with clarity right so clarity of self uh, we spoke about self-awareness we spoke about people being able to communicate you know right. these were things that you, you began the session with and th these are all important now let, let's come to um, really exploring competence you know and, and looking at uh, technical competence looking at the behavioral competence um, you know, and all, all form of competencies uh, that you would require of a leader. What would you say is the right balance, if there's anything like that? Uh, but then what would you say is the right balance of deployment of these competencies? Which do you think is more important? Is any even more important? Uh, but then run us through your, your experience um, being a leader, also working with leaders. Um, what would you say about this? balance of competence? Yeah, no, excellent question. And I want to, you know, pick on what you said before, the, the and you talk about this in your framework as well, the clarity piece, right? That is so important, uh, Kemi. It's, it's probably the starting point for everything, right? Clarity leads to a lot of great things. I was saying that, you know, confusion is the devil. <laughs> and, uh, and clarity is the opposite. Clarity makes things flow better, right? So I, I totally agree with that concept of clarity as, as, as a key component of a leadership framework and the model that you describe. In, in terms of you know, uh, the uh, competencies, right? So there are two things that I think about from a competency standpoint. You, know, you have to be very, you have to look at your leadership model as an individual contributor first, right? And I do that all the time. I say, okay, what is it that Pankaj has to be really awesome at for others to be awesome at what they do? So think, don't think organization because that complicates things and goes against your principle of clarity, right? So in order to have more clarity, you have to have less options, right? You go to a grocery store to buy cheese and you walk into a cheese aisle and there are 200 types of cheese most likely you return home with no cheese, right? <laughs> so even though there was a great amount of cheese options available, right? Yes, please. <laughs> right, right, right. You have to understand the causal relationship there. 
but but I digress. So the, the, to to get the clarity, you have to reduce the number of options, right? And the way I do that is, I look at me as a leader, not as a responsibility for the entire organization, but just as an individual contributor. That's where I start the thinking process, right? And say, okay, if I don't do this and this at my level, I can't enable the rest of the team or the organization to be successful. And I make 100% sure that I'm really good at that. That's my competency, right? In some cases, it has been really being technically competent. In some cases, it has been being marketing competency. In some other cases, actually majority of the cases I've realized has been around sales competency, a great sales leadership model for my own contribution towards company success, right? So that's step one. Then step two is don't worry about the rest of the competencies. You build a team around you that has those competencies, right? And the third thing I've done is what I call reverse mentoring, right? So as we continue to grow in our careers and build more experience, I've realized experience makes you more cautious and less risk averse. Most experienced people, if you spend time with, they'll tell you all the things you should not do. Very few talk about what you should do, right? So I love the concept of reverse mentoring. So as I grow older, as I gain more experience, I surround myself with younger workers, right? Less experienced workers, less seasoned people. And less experience could be in a particular function or, or domain, whatever, because that continues to give me new knowledge, right? So those are three things to do. Number one, think about yourself as an individual contributor in the context of the entire company success. What is it that you have to do yourself and do awesome? Number one. Number two is don't worry about the rest of it. Empower the team and say, I got this. You do this, team. I'm not good at that. You are good at that. I will rely on you. That's empowerment. And the third thing I do is continuously learn, which is the reverse mentoring model that I've had. I've always had that uh, over the last 10 years, where I just spend time with people less experienced. And I come out, I'm like, wow, I did not know that. And that's amazing. Right. So I don't know if I answered your question, but those are three things I do to kind of understand the competency because there could be a hundred things you could do. What's the two or three most important that you should actually do? Answer the question greatly, Shankar. And um, you know, I like the fact that in everything that you have said and you're saying. Um, you are always tending towards that fact of not overburdening yourself as a leader, right? There's always that need or that feeling uh, to just want to be that superhero. Uh, but then demystifying what leadership should really be about just helps us understand where we need to focus our leadership capital or where we need to expand our leadership capital. Uh, so that we're more effective um, as leaders. And I, I agree with that. I'm learning a lot on this, you know, and 
uh, one of the things I also realized from what you have said is the place of reflection, right? I, I see that you're um, introspecting a lot, you're asking yourself a lot of questions. Um, how often do you do that, right? Because when we talk about leadership and competence, it's a journey that should never end. You know, we should constantly be thinking of how to develop, what value we're bringing to the table, uh, you know, what we need to do, what is most important, those one or two or three things that we need to focus on. Uh, so how often should this be done? Uh, especially in a VUCA world, you know, this new normal, this world that is highly volatile, great uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, and it just seems like people are struggling to find time or uh, to invest more in themselves. How often should you know leaders go through this journey of reflection, and how often do you do? Yeah, it's an incredibly insightful question, Kemi. So I have been doing this introspection for a while. So here are two things I do. One thing I do every two years. So I'll explain that in a moment. And the other thing I do every six months. So let's begin with the six month thing, right? Every six months, it's actually on my calendar. So I didn't never forget it, right? Middle of the year, end of the year. I ask two questions and I write it down, okay? In the prior six month period, who did I help? And what were they able to do because of that help? Simple, I've been doing it for 10 years, every six months. And the reason this allows me to think about my purpose leads to self-awareness, right? Something that we were talking about before. So when I actively, intentionally think about helping others, I become more self-aware of my own capabilities. Happens every single time I go through that list, okay? The process I go through every two years is what I call a personal brand recognition awareness type of exercise. So I have four questions that I ask 20 to 25 people every two years who have recently worked with me. Here are the four questions I ask them. Number one, if how would you describe the number one superpower of Pankaj, right? Second question, is there a fictional or non-fictional character that you think of when you think of Pankaj? What's the first one that comes to mind, right? Third is, how would you describe Pankaj in one sentence? And last question is, how would you introduce Pankaj to others, right? And it's anonymized, so people are completely open. Some people just don't mind telling you who they are with their responses, but I just make it easy by making that whole survey, four question survey anonymous. And I get some great information about what others think I add to their lives. And that's your brand. Not what do you think it is, not what do you think you're good at, not how you represent yourself. It's what others see in you, right? So when you start doing those two exercises, the every six month one, just are you creating any value to others? That's, that's, that's a reflection of who you are and your purpose. And then you marry that with how others view your contributions. 
it just changes how you view yourself. It makes you more self-aware. It makes you less about yourself. It guides you intentionally towards making a better world. And that's, you know, maybe too noble, but that's how I think about it. A whole lot of intentionality in this, right? So, which means that from the leadership standpoint, of, of you know, very, very personal standpoint, um, you're really intentional, you take a whole lot of responsibility, and, uh, you know, you're doing this not just for yourself, but also to be able to impact other people and impact them significantly. Um, so, because while you were talking, I was just, you know, reflecting on some of the challenges that, you know, leaders within different levels uh, within the organization experience. And some uh, talk about unfair treatments from superiors. Um, some talk about that lack of willingness to want to mentor and invest in you know the the younger ones or in other levels of leadership what can leaders start doing differently right so yes of course there should be enhanced level of self-awareness we should be you know we should be able to reflect and ask those questions um but looking at the ecosystem for example you've had experience across um, industries across organizations of different sizes um, what do leaders need to start doing differently to step into that place of awareness, to step into that place of mindfulness of self and also other people to bridge yeah. this gap? No, excellent, excellent question. You know, so, and, you know, uh, let me make an assumption here, right? The assumption is that you, you're in a, it's, it's a true assumption, actually. <laughs> you're in a fast moving world, right? Things change rapidly. Circumstances change rapidly. Business environment changes rapidly. Political, you know, it doesn't matter where the politics is. It impacts everybody, no matter where you are on the on the globe. And with the pandemic, it has only been, you know, compounded, right? So I'm making the assumption you're talking about this in a fast-paced environment, right? Uh, I think the number one mistake that I made, and I see others making as well, is we react too soon. Right, just because the world is fast moving doesn't mean you have to react in haste. Never do that. So I, I talk about you know uh, this with my team all the time. Crisis is an opportunity for growth, and the only way to grow is consider the possibilities it brings to you first before you react. Right. So it's super important just because everything is you know rushing past you to slow down don't react so that's 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 my number one rule right in terms of how you kind of think about dealing with change right and i forgot the gist of your question could you do you mind repeating your original question yeah so so the question is that you know how to yes uh, pretty much what leaders need to start doing differently Correct. You know, show that level of growth. Uh, so, uh, uh, I, so uh, don't react, right? 
measure not someone by the number of mistakes they make, but measure by the number of lessons they have learned. It changes completely how you measure performance, right? So I'll give you my personal example. I made a decision one time ago. The company lost $9.7 million over a weekend, okay? I wrote down my resignation. I put it in my front pocket. I walk into my boss's office on a Wednesday afternoon uh, for my one-on-one, -on -one, ready to hand my resignation, right? And you know what, Bill, my boss asked me? The first question he asked me was, he said, hmm, Pankaj, what did you learn? So I told him, he said, what makes you so sure it won't happen again? I told him, these are the steps I've taken. Here's the system I built in. The process is there now. He said, okay, cool. What's next on our agenda? I never handed in my resignation, right? So the multiple things happened there. Right away, he told me, it's okay. If you take that lesson and act upon it, good. And the number two that I learned as a leader, he kept knowledge inside the company. If he had asked me to resign or fired me, all that learning I just acquired, an expensive lesson, right? $9.7 million worth, would be walking out the door. The tacit wisdom of the organization has to be harnessed, not exited, right? So that, that's, what, that's one big change I think leaders can make in this world right now, where they start thinking about measurement differently. Measuring performance not based on number of mistakes I'm counting, but the number of lessons you've learned and making sure those lessons are amplified for the rest of the organization. So now nobody's making the same mistake twice. As long as people make different mistakes, that's okay. So that's the one big change. Don't react and measure differently. This absolutely is a total game changer in leadership. I agree. That's an absolute game changer. And if more leaders can step into this piece of awareness, uh, you know, and understand these principles and beyond just understanding actually, you know, imbibe these principles, it will make a whole lot of difference uh, because I, I believe that there's a whole lot of wasted experiences that just walk out of organizations uh, and we're not harnessing and we're not leveraging uh, those experiences that the organization paid for. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so who is that loss really? Um, thank you very much for sharing that with us, Pankaj. It's been, you know, great lessons, great experiences. And, you know, I really appreciate how you have also tapped deeply into your own personal stories and experiences um, for this. Now, Pankaj, we're rounding up the session already. I would like you to, you know, share with us your, you know, um, your, your thoughts, really, around how leaders can also move from, you know, the personal dimension of leadership to equipping team dimension of leadership, you know. And you've spoken about it, but I just want you to outline in one or two sentences how they can transition, 
Because some people uh, can do well or try from the place of self, but then struggle, you know, with teams and cascading down to the organizational level. So what are one, you know, or two things that you can share with us in, in this aspect? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's a lesson I acquired late in, in my career, <laughs> but I now remember to use it. I call it the triple R. That's my rule. Triple R. R, R, R. So first R stands for relevancy. Relevance. How relevant are you to your team's purpose? So every time you stand up and talk to your team, are you talking about what they care about? Or are you talking about what you care about? Or what the company cares about? So relevance. Second is reason. Second R is reason. What reason are you offering your team? And by the way, team could be stakeholders. It could be customers. It could be partners as well. It could be your shareholders. What reason are you giving your stakeholders to believe your message? And the way to test that is, do you believe in that yourself? Are you being authentic? And the third R is the recipe of how you are relevant and the reason that you provide, right? So the, re the recipe is how and when you deliver your message, right? Uh, to either a person, to a team, because different people receive message or information differently, right? So the three R rule uh, helps me kind of focus on every time I stand up and talk about anything, am I being relevant to their purpose, something that they care about? Am I giving them an authentic reason and a message that I personally believe in and will do anything to make, make it come true? And third, am I offering the right recipe in terms of how am I communicating and where am I communicating that message to them? And the moment you kind of start doing that, you're not thinking about yourself. You're actually transferring your uh, focus from away from yourself to who you are communicating and who you are developing. So that's a personal thank thing you. I do. Yeah. The three hours. Thank you so much, Pankaj. Uh, it's been great having this chat with you. Uh, lots of lessons, lots of insights, lots of nuggets, and a truckload of experience. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing. So, guys, I am sure that you have learned quite a lot from this. Uh, before we let you go, Pankaj, where can we find you online? You know, if people have questions, how can they find you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm terrible with all the social stuff except LinkedIn. I, I, I value LinkedIn the most. So LinkedIn would be probably the best way to kind of reach out to me. I'm very diligent. Every Sunday I spend time looking at all the messages I receive and I uh, ensure that I respond to, you know, majority of them. So that'll be the best way. All right, so reach out to Pankaj on LinkedIn. Pankaj, thank you very much for making up the time uh, to be on the show with me today and sharing, you know, this great insights and thoughts with um, business leaders all around the world. Thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to having a chat with you soon again. Thank you, Kemi, for inviting me. I loved it. And uh, thanks for being patient with my stories. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All right, it's been 
such an amazing time with Pankaj uh, talking about leadership and competence and how we can bridge the leadership gap. Uh, a whole lot has been said. Uh, like I always say, that you should turn all this insight into actions and let the rubber meet the road. So till I come your way again, look out for new episodes um, of the show and keep being amazing. So till I see you again, have a wonderful day. Thank you. You have been listening to Leadership Conversations with Kemi Ogunkoya. If you have enjoyed this episode, go to relisworks.com forward slash podcast to leave a public review and share the link to this episode with others. Till I see you again, keep the conversation alive.